It's me, it's me, it's TDP. This is the Throwing Dice Podcast. We are a brand new hobby podcast uh, focusing mostly on tabletop warplaying games, RPGs, and the like. Uh, my name is Curtis Spears, and here with me today is Grant Wills. Grant, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks for asking, man. I'm very excited to start this new project with you. I know uh, you are. Oh, man, I've been pushing for this for a long time, you know it. Uh, so, what what made you finally decide that you wanted to start a podcast? Uh, to get you to stop asking me to start a podcast. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll follow that under attrition warfare, that's fair. <laughs> I, uh, I knew I'd eventually get to you, but I'm, I'm glad you did, because I think we've got a lot of uh, fun things that we can talk about here today. The first thing I want to do is, uh, I want I want us to introduce ourselves. This is our first episode, so what we can do is let you get to know us, uh, your hosts. Uh, we, we already love you, no matter who you are listening to this. Um, so Grant, why don't you tell, tell us, tell us, the listeners, and uh, about your history with uh, role-playing games and tabletop warfare. Uh, so I started out with uh, tabletop war games first, not uh, the normal way, which is a lot of people would generally start with role-playing games and then move onto wargaming. But uh, I was uh, eight, just before my ninth birthday, where I uh, would spend my summers uh, down at the Isle of Sheppey in uh, Kent, in England. And uh, my uh, cousin um, had these little plastic rat men. And uh, I I saw them one day and was uh, super interested in what they were, how to play the game, uh, and then my birthday's early autumn, so the uh, for that I was asking for some Warhammer to go uh, for my birthday, which I didn't get any, uh, but it's pretty expensive. But I did get uh, some money, uh, and I was then taken to a Games Workshop where I bought my first box of uh, skeleton uh, cavalry. So what what was it? About it was it Ratman specifically Skaven? Yeah. Yes. What what edition was that? Ooh, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> somewhere. Well, do, the, do the math real quick. You're what thirty five? Uh, yeah. So it was ninety uh, five, uh, and then it somewhere around third or fourth edition of fantasy, maybe. Wow. Okay. So I think it was the turn between. Third and fourth. Okay. And you, you, you were falling in love with the Ratman, and then you found out that you wanted to buy skeletons. Actually, well, I thought skeletons would be easier to paint. No, I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. Uh, um, armor. Yeah. So it was, it was a, a box of of ten skeleton warriors on foot with uh, either bows or swords and shields uh, for five pounds. Or five cavalry for five pounds. Mm. So I think I bought one of each. Good old days. <laughs> with my birthday money. And then uh, it spiralled from there. So when you say that you thought that the skeletons would be easy to paint, is, is that the first uh, sign that you actually hate painting and you don't like to do it at all? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. All right. So, so your Warhammer 
Fantasy was your first, though. Was your first? Where'd, where'd you go from there? Uh, so I stuck with Warhammer Fantasy for a few years, picking up different models from different ranges just because they were cool. Didn't really play at all until for a few years. It was just collecting the models, building, attempting to paint them badly. Um, and then I went to secondary school and I finally met someone else who played uh, Warhammer, but they played uh, Warhammer 40,000, 40k, and that's when I got into that. What did you start with uh, 40k? Space Marines. Uh, so I... Uh, an ultramarine army, uh, which I actually bought from that friend's older brother, who was at the age where you start to fall out with the hobby. <laughs> so, i.e., found girls. Yeah. Yeah. So, was this an actual army, or was it just a, uh, like a random assortment of models? No, this was actual. This was an army. It was uh, a couple of tactical squads, devastator squad, assault squad, some characters, a dreadnought. It was a a nice little starter army. Uh, and then uh, so I played uh, a lot of 40k during secondary school and then I started to attend gaming sessions at uh, the games workshop in Blue Water Lord, that's shut down now too isn't it uh, yes that's unfortunate I, I, we went there to Blue Water looking for that games workshop didn't we well, we we weren't we going there. there. For burritos. We, we went there for burritos, <laughs> and I went to see if the Space Marine statue was still there, but that's not. It's moved back up to Nottingham now. Oh, that's that's too bad. But yeah, no, we uh, yeah we went for burritos and ended up looking for a GW shop. That's a good. That's a good day. Yeah, that that sounds like a good day to me. If, if I'm pretty sure when you texted me, you said, "Hey, do you want to go get a burrito?" And I said, "Yes." And you said, "We can also go look at the GW shop." And I said. All right, even better. <laughs> so that's fantastic. So, so you're in, you're after it's after secondary school. You're uh, playing forty yeah. k pretty yeah. regularly. Where do you go from there? Uh, so from there, I met a, a good friend of mine named uh, Andy. So I, I moved up through. Um, Shout out to friend of the podcast, Andy. Yeah, I moved moved up through the the gaming sessions to veterans nights, which used to be a thing. So tell me about tell me about that because I I was not brought up around GW shops. How does that work? So, uh, so you used to have a Sunday training school, uh, which was at the Games Workshop, where you'd go in at various time slots. So at the start of the day, the first session, you'd have a couple of models, uh, and you'd you'd play, introduce to the rules to play through. Um, and then the next session, you'd have slightly more models, uh, and then so on and so on until you're playing with a small actual force. Okay. So it's intro games followed yeah. by uh, intermediate, and then, and then that's through the through the day. So throughout the day, but it's uh, you'd have to attend a number of sessions, so for a number of weeks, and then you'd then get uh, time. Uh, so when the staff thought you were competent enough to play in other events like levels you were then you're allowed to graduate Sunday school to uh, to come to different nights of the week yeah where were for different systems and for different age groups uh, and then 
veterans nights were adult nights. Oh, so okay. when you were over 16 uh, and you were deemed competent enough to play with the adults was when you could graduate to becoming a veteran. You can take that. That's, I mean, that seems cool. As it's At first it sounds a little gatekeepy, but then it's like, no, no, because no, we, we help the younger kids. Then when the younger kids are done and they, they go home, then it's time to break out the big boys. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, you, you meet Andy at the veteran nights. Uh, yeah, we, we play a lot of 40K uh, and fantasy so at that point, I started to build up more of a fantasy collection to start using. So I attended the fantasy uh, and the 40k veteran nights. Uh, and then through getting to know Andy, he mentioned a roleplay group that he uh, was involved in. And then uh, I got invited along to that. So that's my first then introduction at... Was it was um, it a GW roleplay group or was it D&D? Uh, no, so it was Legend of the Five Rings. Uh, oh, you've told me about Legend of the Five Rings before, yeah. Yeah, so it was a, a roll and keep system set in a, a high, fan, high fantasy Japanese feudal system. Sounds so cool. Yeah. I'm down with that. So yeah, so you start uh, role play from there. When did you get into it? Was it LARPs or shortly after? Uh, and then, yeah, so and then after... Playing with that group for uh, a few years, uh, I saw a, a advert in the newspaper for a live action role play group that was fairly local to us. Uh, so I took that along one night to our gaming group, uh, and then from there a couple of us went went and tried it out, and then a few of us stuck with it right as on, well. Right and so you've been playing, uh, so you've been RPing, LARPing, wargaming ever since. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's outstanding. So what what do you currently... Where's your heart at? Uh, at the moment, the three systems I'm focusing on are Horus Heresy, uh, More Time, and the Warhammer Armies Project, uh, Warhammer Fantasy 9th Edition. Cool, and that's hopefully just a holdover until the old world uh, comes out and then we can get some official rules. But I love the The Army Project is fantastic. Yeah, their stuff is so good. It's it's so competent, and they're able to change the rules so easily to make sure that everybody's having fun. I think Warhammer Army's project is top notch. Yeah. So, uh, so what about you, Curtis? When did you start? Ooh. Uh, so I got into it a little bit later than you did. When I was younger, I was at my dad's house for a summer, and one of the kids who was slightly older—I think he was two or three years older than me—he uh, had a shadow run. Uh, rule book and I remember falling in love with that looking through it then um, I found some more of his other stuff he had like a, a couple of D&D books things like that and I really fell in love with the idea of these fantasy worlds that was something so cool I never got to play it he was all he, he, the kid was always like oh yeah, yeah we'll, we'll play Shadowrun we'll play Shadowrun it's cool a couple of years later I fell in with some friends who were in a live action role playing group um, I would I would go and support them and watch and have fun, but I never actually did it myself. I didn't have the money for uh, to really get into it. So again, that was a thing. Um, there was my first time that I actually got to play D anD D. Lots of fun, but again, like it was just a couple of kids goofing around. There was no real competent storytelling to it. Right. Yeah. Um, then uh, fast forward years and years later, I'm in my early twenties. 
and I fell in with a, a group of friends, a fellow named Bert and um, my friend, my friend uh, G, shout out to friend of the podcast, G, and uh, my friend Matt, shout out to friend of the podcast, Matt. And so what we did was we started, uh, Matt had been into it for a long time, he'd been into uh, role-playing games, he'd been into 40K, things like that for a long time, uh, and he just started drip-feeding it to me. So uh, it was through him that we started, uh, through the three of those guys that we started playing. Um, first, was the old, remember the old D&D minis game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we started playing D&D minis. I got really hooked on that. Then that led to my first time playing D&D. Um, that was when I started going over to a friend of mine's house uh, to play D&D in his basement. Uh, in his basement, he had uh, his, I believe it was Chaos Space Marines 40K Army. I was kind of like, what is this? And... Um, Matt was like, oh, you, you that. So what you do is you clear a spot on the floor and you have to like measure out how far you can shoot and things like that. And I was like, wow, that sounds freaking intense, dude. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. We were, we were uh, spending time, we were doing custom action figures for a long time. So I already had all the like GW paints and things like that uh, already to do these custom action figures. Uh, and, and Matt, just one day for my, for my birthday, he, Matt and G bought me a couple of Space Marines tactical squads. And so I, I, I didn't really know how to put it together or anything like that. And they just kind of sat there. Well, a couple weeks later, they're like, hey, did you put those uh, Space Marines tactical squads yet? No, no, I didn't put them together yet. Okay. Well, Paul here has, uh, Paul is an, another friend of mine that I've uh, since lost touch with, which is very sad, had a orc army. Matt has a Space Marine army. He's like, I think this was Black Reach era. And he's like, uh, why don't you come over and we'll we'll play a little bit. So we set up a table, no no terrain or anything like that, and they just kind of ran me through the game. And uh, yeah, I was hooked from there. I, I don't think I've stopped playing any sort of role-playing uh, table, or I'm sorry, uh, I don't think I've stopped playing any sort of tabletop work game since. That was 2010, maybe? Mm-hmm. So I've only been in for, when was the start of 5th edition? Because that's when, when Black Reach came out is when when I got into it. Yeah, it seems around that time, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's, yeah, that's when I really got into it, and I've just fallen, fallen head over heels uh, for it since then. I've tried um, lots of different role-playing games since then. I do love Shadowrun. It's really hard to find um, people to play with. It's, it's kind of off the beaten path. Uh, I'm, I'm Cthulhu curious. I want to get into Cthulhu. Uh, I am... Really into the idea of the World of Darkness games. I was thinking about running a game of that, and someone said you have to play it first. And I was okay. that that someone was me. Yeah. Well, you and you and everyone else I know who who's ever played a game of it, I can't find anyone to play it with. So there's a thing. Uh, shout out if you want to teach me how to play World of Darkness. Yeah, uh, I've I, I've fallen in love with running D and D games. I love the idea of being a dungeon master or a games master, and play tabletop war games whenever I can. Uh, mostly Horus Heresy, like we said. But I'm hoping that I can get an army of each game that I currently play, just like one fully painted army of each thing that I play, so that anytime anyone says, hey, I'm in the mood to play X, I will grab that army off the shelf and say, let's go. Nice. So with that, you've got... Um, what games do you have? Oh, currently... Ready to go. Currently, I have a 10,000-point Death Guard Horus Heresy Force. 
I'm working on an Ultramarine's army for that uh, as well. I my I have a 40k army that I've I barely even touch anymore, but I will still play it if I can find the right person. Um, I have a large, I think, a 5,000 point Tyranid force. Um, I do have some Gene Sealer cult stuff to go along with that. I love the Gene Sealer cults. The idea of Gene Sealer cults makes me so happy. So I'm gonna, I'm trying slowly but surely to do a little bit more, a little bit more of that. Uh, that's it's hard to find time for that because I don't play 40k very much. So it's very, very hard to find the gumption to paint. Uh, I think I've played three games of 40k in like the last five years. What else do I have? Oh, I have a, a large uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Chaos, um, like Slaves to Darkness force, Warriors of Chaos force. I have a medium-sized uh, Beasts of Chaos force for Age of Sigmar. I know that they're not really a very good army, but I love the models. And um, I've got a bunch of little skirmish forces. I love to play Blood Bowl, so I've got a couple of Blood Bowl teams. Uh, I've got... A, I've got a Warcry force that's fully painted that's never even seen the table, but the models are top-notch, absolute mint. A um, couple of Mordheim armies, that I, or Mordheim gangs that I play you with. Um, Necromunda, I've got two uh, fully painted gangs. I don't, I've never played Battlefleet. I'm Battlefleet curious. You do have some tiny tanks, though. I do have a, a, a large epic 30k collection of uh, Imperial Fists, which I love to death. I love to paint tiny tanks. There's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't even know what other games there are. What other games are there? Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a list of all of the... That's all the ones we currently play. I'm trying to think of if there the are... The Games Workshop ones. Those are all the, yeah, all the Games Workshop ones that I'm so, yeah. down, to, down to play with. I'm trying to think of if there are any that I are not Games Workshop related that I, I would I would be interested in or, or have models for, and I don't think there are. I wanted to get into uh, Wild in the Streets. The the one about like all the punk rock kids having uh, having gang warfare that one looks so cool. It's not one I've heard of. Oh, uh, I think it was an Osprey game. I don't know who did it. I'll have to look it up. What was the other one? Oh, we used to play Gaslands a little bit. I still I still would love to play Gaslands at some point. That's such a such a cool idea. Uh, Osprey games at Gaslands, right? Yes. But yeah, so I've got a, a number of traitor forces for uh, Horus Heresy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have demons. Uh, I have Alpha Legion. Uh, I'm. Uh, I do have a Mechanicum Force, uh, but they're sort of the only ones I can use as a loyalist. Um, <laughs> I have now, a, why, why do you only have traitor forces? Can you you want to you run through that real fast? Uh, because other than yourself, uh, everyone else in our regular gaming uh, group for Horus Heresy. All have loyalist forces, and as we all know, traitors are the best. For sure, I'll play traitors anyway. So I have a traitor uh, cults and militia army. Uh, I have currently three uh, D printed a uh, lunar auxiliar army. So the the traitor solar auxiliar models. Yet, uh, no, they they are going to be my break project throughout this year. So when I get tired of painting. Whatever I'm painting, I'll move on to those. Right. So they're a slow grow force. Talking about taking breaks from painting, you don't take breaks from painting very often, do you? You're on the hobby streak. Well, not uh, a, a break from the thing I'm painting, uh, <laughs> as in not breaks of pa- from painting for long periods. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha. But uh, 
So if I'm I'm too tired or just not feeling what I'm working on currently, uh, I do keep a number of projects around that I can just pick up, do a bit of, and then put down. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. So. So yeah, you've how far is your hobby streak up to? Uh, so yeah, I've been doing the hobby streak for two years. Uh, so I started first of January twenty twenty, mm-hmm. uh, and then it has continued. For today would be day seven hundred and thirty nine. Uh, I can normally never get to day seven, so <laughs> that's that's really impressive. Uh, and then shout out to Liam. Is it? Yeah, Liam from the Lost Legion. Yeah, he's he's up to day nine million, something like that. That guy's insane. Uh, he's he's well into his over a thousand days. Good for him. And he's he's got a podcast about hobbies specifically, right? About uh, called the Hobby Streakers. The Hobby Streakers. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to them. Uh, shout out to friend of the podcast, Liam. That's absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm glad that you're you're finding so much joy in in doing hobbies so often because, like you said, you don't like to paint. No. <laughs> I don't honestly the only reason I paint my models is to go to events that have uh, fully painted restrictions fully painted restrictions I am I personally would be completely happy to play unpainted I hate playing against unpainted models which is which is sad because like this year because I haven't finished my ultrines yet I was looking for ways uh, with, with you we were brainstorming so that we could sit down and play ultramarines so that I could sit down and play Ultramarines, and I could not figure out a list. We were going to sit down and brainstorm, and to do that, we had to play games, and I had to put unpainted Ultramarines on the table, and it broke my heart. I was so upset, but that got me, uh, got a fire lit under my ass to make me go out and paint some more, so I guess it was all okay in the end. Uh, so, do you want to you want to answer some questions? Uh, sure. Okay. You had a question. Uh, yeah, so I had ready to go? Uh, a uh, question from Connor. Uh, shout out to friend of the podcast, Connor. Yeah, Connor. Uh, Mysterian underscore painting asks, uh, what's your best hobbying moment? Ooh. Um, my favorite hobbying moment. You know what? The, the coolest thing uh, that happened to me, I won a... Uh, so I, I've won a couple of, of uh, awards at different events uh, in America when I played. One you, ones that were put on by my friends Kyle and CJ back in uh, back in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Shout out to friends of the podcast, Kyle and CJ. And um, those guys have put on multiple uh, lovely events in the past, and I had won a couple of awards there. Uh, when I came over here, I played at a old uh, remember Legion of Lies. Legionalize event that we went to in. Where what, is it? what year did you? Oh, it was in uh, Wayland Games. Wayland Games, yes. Essex. You are so much better at remembering these things than I did. And um, the Legionalize guys all uh, really enjoyed my Death Guard and they gave me an award. So I am now an intercontinental uh, um, uh, painting award winning uh, fella. For, so for someone who is moderately okay at painting, I think that's pretty cool. I've won, I've won painting awards on two different continents. Uh, that's, that's being quite modest. You you are well above an average painter. Oh, above it's, average it's, is a thing, isn't it? I guess it's a it's a you're a a high level tabletop quality. I take that. Um, yeah, I, I try to do better than better than tabletop for every model I put out. 
Yeah, that's. I, I feel like um, I, I, I want to get my stuff painted to where I can put it on the table and it looks good, and then people can look up, pick up any model and go, this is really good, you know? Uh, my favourite hobby moment was actually, it was only about three and a half years ago, it was uh, for my stag do uh, yeah. and, and my birthday. Uh, a group of us went up to Nottingham, so for the for the stag do on the Saturday, uh, we did some escape rooms around Nottingham, and then uh, we had uh, dinner at Hooters, yep. and uh, we went on a bar crawl across the city. Oh, there's so many cool bars in Nottingham, eh? Yeah, there are. Uh, and then on the Sunday after after breakfast and nursing. A little bit of a hangover. A couple of people had a couple of hangovers. Uh, I was up at I was up to watch the sun come up. Actually, I don't drink. I was fine. So, <laughs> uh, had a cup of tea and watched the sun come up over Nottingham. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, we we headed to Warhammer World uh, and we played a huge mega battle on one of the big set piece tables yeah. over at Warhammer World. Yeah. Was it was it an Isavan table specifically? No, no, it was a it was the Age of Sigmar table, but we played Heresy on it. Uh the big uh, Chaos Skull Fortress. That's right. So yeah, yes. we uh, did a Demon World invasion that was style a game. Funny. Yeah, uh, guy friend of the show guy brought out um just Primarchs, didn't he? He yeah. just brought like five Primarchs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, yeah, I, I I loved that. That was a lot of fun. That uh, so yeah, birthday celebrations in Warhammer World, playing a big game with a whole bunch of our friends. So and it, anyone who didn't play Heresy was in the in the canteen playing uh, 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 Rogue Trader. Rogue Trader, uh, the role playing game. Yeah. Rogue Trader. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. And people were dipping in and out of the game, uh, the mega battle to go like to the. Uh, the exhibition space and shopping and eating in Bugman's and tons of fun. Yeah, it was like a whole great day. I would also say the first time we ran an event was mm. probably uh, one of the highlights for me. Uh, we ran it at the XLC Gaming Center. RIP to the XLC Gaming Center. Uh, it was just what it was like twelve people. Uh, yeah. Yeah, lots of fun. Uh, that was Jake's first thirty uh, k event in in England while Jake was here. Uh, shout out to Jake and. Yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. We, um, I've never run an event before, and I think it went swimmingly. We've run three events total before the world caught fire. Yes. Yeah, we were planning on a fourth, <laughs> the fourth and final of the series. A fourth and final of the series, and well, the world needs to stop burning. Yeah, the world should go out first, and then we'll be fine. Shout out to Fortis Two sometime in twenty twenty five. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun. Josie LaFay, my uh, my neighbor Joe, who I love to death. What D and D character slash class do you relate to the most? Uh, I well, I've played a, a lot of D and D games over the years. Uh, so it was, I think, the first time I actually played D and D was at u- when I was at university. Uh, so I'd played other systems before, but never D and D. That's um, so backwards. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, as I said, my intro to hobbies is not conventional at mm. all. I've played uh, a lot of classes. Uh, my favourite edition of D&D is 3.5, so a lot of multi-classing Word. going on. Yes. 
uh, all the craziness. But um, so I've said, in, uh, I think on, I answered Joe's question online, but I said uh, a cleric because uh, I like to play games and healing makes the games last longer. It's true. So, uh, yeah, so anything with healing, uh, I'm all over. I, so I didn't really care for 4th edition D&D. Um, it was, it just seemed kind of dumbed down. But they did have one character class that I absolutely loved. That was the Warlord character class. Like that leading from the front battle general. I absolutely loved that. I wish that there was a way that I could bring that back. Yeah, well, it was, it was same healing powers as a cleric, but you didn't have... The, the theistic um, outreach or outlook on the character. I really loved the, um, the ability to move other characters around the battlefield to put them where, where they needed to go, that sort of thing. What a fun character class. I really wish that they could bring back the, uh, the Warlord character. I believe there is something in 5th edition. Is uh, it's one of the, the warrior tradition type deals. Where you can get like battle orders type stuff. Hmm. Cool. So I think it's a lesser extent, but hmm. yeah. Uh, here's another one from Oa Gamer, Oa underscore Gamer on Instagram. What is the best legion and why is it the Death Guard? Uh, well, Answer the question as it is, Graham. <laughs> and what is the best legion and why is it the Death Guard? Well, it's, it's not. It's obviously the Alpha Legion. It's disguised as the Death Guard. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I absolutely just love the Death Guard. It's my favorite, 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 and um, I think that's I I think that's from a love of Nurgle specifically. Like I loved playing Nurgle in Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Like all of my Warriors of Chaos were Nurgle themed. So when it came time to pick a 30k Legion, uh, I could go with the Ultramarines, which I had already done for 40k for a long time, and I loved the Ultramarines. Or I could go with the Death Guard. And um, for so long, I remember my friend Matt, he used to play uh, used to play Death Guard Chaos Marines and just absolutely smoke me for years. I could not beat him. And I was like, you know what? I want a piece of that. I, I didn't realize that they weren't all tough five and things like that. But uh, I said, you know what? I'll, I'll have a piece of that if I will. And so I started digging into um, the, the books, and that's when I, I read uh, Flight of the Eisenstein and things like that. And I just fell in love with it, and I absolutely adore the Death Guard. They're still to this day my absolute favorite Legion. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I didn't even ever think that I would ever make a second 30k Legion. I was just like, this, these are my guys. You've, yeah, you've really struggled with starting little projects for a second Legion, and you've chopped and changed between. I did. I four or five different Legions. Uh, I, so I. I Originally said, okay, I'm going to do a little Ultramarine side project. That became, I'm going to strip all these guys and make them a White Scars side project. That became, I'm going to strip all these guys and make them a Word Bearers side project. That became, I'm going to strip all these guys and turn them back into Ultramarines. And I've been really frustrated about the Ultramarines since then because I can't figure out how to make them work. <laughs> they don't play like the Death Guard, so it doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been it's been a frustrating go. I think I think we finally got a a hold of it uh, for the Ultramarines, and hopefully I'll I'll just I think the idea is that I'm going to play them the exact opposite of my Death Guards. So. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the list we came up with together. I think will help. It mean you have to learn some more rules. 
Uh, yeah. Ones you've never used before. Ones I've never used before, like run. <laughs> and flat out. <laughs> Who the fuck does that? Certainly not me. Alright, well, um, next one is from The Unbroken Chain on Instagram. Do you think that role-playing elements could be worked into a regular tabletop game? If so, how? Or should they be kept separate? I'm thinking of 40k Open War or D&D crossing over into 40k, etc. I think you could easily put role-playing elements into your into your game. I mean, there's there's uh, like character character growth charts and things like that in Heresy Book Four, uh, Black Book Black Book Four. I believe it's one of them, one of the early ones. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there's character development tables. There are a lot of fan-made character creation and development tables. Um, but yeah, I think it works works smaller than uh, the smaller the game, the best, the more role play you can put into. Yeah, I I tried to do this one time back when I was in Wyoming. A friend of mine, Connor, uh, different Connor. Shout out to different Connor, and. Um, he did a Centurion style event. Um, this was back when Centurion was just Eye of Horus like rules, and he did Centurion event, and then we played I think four games. And as you went through the four games, you did character progression tables and things like that for your uh, for your Praetor, and it worked so well. It was so much fun, and I just remember everybody running around the running around the the basement in Olympus games like between tables going, oh, look what I rolled, man, yeah, tough six, Praetor, woo, you know, that sort of stuff. So that it was a ton of fun, and I, I love doing that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I'm personally not a fan of that sort of character development on single-day events because it's either not enough progress or far too much. Mm. But over the space of a... A longer running campaign, I think it's it's perfect, and that that's why like I think we like playing more time so much. Yes, yeah, more time is fantastic for that. Uh, but also, just before Christmas, I played a game of the Ducarian mode uh, from the Mournival uh, events guys. Uh, so it's it's even stripped down lower than Centurion, uh, down to almost kill team level. Uh, and I played a game against our good friend Tony. Uh, shout out to Tony. What up, uh, French Tony? Uh, he he just messaged me one day saying, "Oh, do you fancy a game? I've got this idea. Maybe we can play Centurion." Uh, and then he told me the idea about uh, groups of planetary nobility and road traders signing a deal when they're then ambushed by Alpha Legion. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like perfect for this." Have you? seen this played this he was like no I was like neither have I yeah. L- let's give it a go so yeah we played a, a Ducarian mode game uh, we had I had 10 models I think he had 10 ultramarines and a handful of militia stated models and yeah the Alpha Legion surrounded them and picked everyone off one at a time We've, yeah left no witnesses that day <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was lots of decisions about what is this guy going to do. I was thinking about my mission of who I wanted, which dignitary I wanted dead first. Mm. So I would focus on making sure that one guy died so the secrets didn't get out. Mm. So yeah, as I said, I think the smaller the game, the much more role-playing decisions you can put into it. 
Yeah, I've I've always liked doing like uh, kill teams and things like that. I I remember towards the towards the end of sixth edition, forty uh, k I think there was there was a uh, there was a kill team um, um, uh, outsourced rule set that came out for that, and I I loved it. I thought it was so fantastic. But um, yeah, I mean you can really put a lot of character into just a few models and really have fun with it. Um, lots of conversion ideas and things like that. Super cool. <laughs> Next question. Uh, Squarehead Studios says, what's your perfect Sunday? A Banoffee a Waffle Sunday. Banoffee Waffle Sunday. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, what's your perfect Sunday, dude? Come on. So I would say a day where I can do nothing. <laughs> Just relax at home with my wife and the puppies and then maybe do some hobby in the evening. Perfect. Not have to go <laughs> food shopping <laughs> or do housework or go out and interact with the like fetid masses. My perfect Sunday. I don't have Sundays off, so I'm going to change it to Saturday. My perfect Saturday. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, Sunday. Wake up maybe 9 o'clock, sit on the couch with my doggo, my pug, Frankie. And for oh, hot buddy, he woke up. Sorry, uh, sit on the couch with him, have a big old cup of coffee or tea, watch some pro wrestling. Uh, in the afternoon, one o'clock or so, come over to Grant's house, play a game. Uh, we'll catch uh, like a burger or something on the way home. Go home seven o'clock, sit on the couch with my wife, watching horror movies. And then uh, go to sleep. Sounds like a pretty good day right there. Nice. Yeah. All right. So that's that's a good question. I, I, I like that. It's getting to know you kind of stuff, isn't it? On Instagram, Natatatui, is it wrong to use plot lines and lore from RPG games as inspiration for D&D campaigns? Uh, no. No. No, not at all. Anything that you can use for inspiration, I can't tell you how many like how many times I've been watching a movie and just going, "This is a D and D game." You know, it's it's so yeah. No, it's it's definitely a thing that you can do anytime, anytime you want to. Um, yeah, any movie, any game, any whatever. If you can if you can twist it so that it looks like a D and D campaign, do it. Right, so our next question is from a really cool guy named uh, Grant Wills. Uh, and he Who's that said, asshole? He says, uh, does your wife ever get jealous of your super cool hobby husband? <laughs> so, uh, no, my wife does not get jealous of my, of my super cool hobby husband. Um, I personally have a super cool hobby husband. I have a couple of hobby husbands. My, my number one uh, best hoe is uh, Grant Wills himself. <laughs> no, my wife thinks it's cool that we have uh, that we have our own stuff. It basically leaves her uh, enough time to do her favorite thing, which is um, sit around the house and not talk to anybody ever. <laughs> it sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. She, um, yeah, her her um, her her favorite Sunday is just sit on the couch with the dog and uh, like learn Spanish and watch Drag Race and stuff. And she and, never and never ha- has to do any of that. Yeah, and have you bring her food? Yes. <laughs> 
So she doesn't have to get so off the sofa. So she doesn't have to get off the sofa. A cup of, cup of tea. She doesn't even really need food. She doesn't eat very much. She's very tiny. Uh, so. And your your wife? What did what did your wife say? To uh, she, her only response was, uh, pictures or it never happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. That's right. Set the bonus bully off. Set the bonus bully off. Uh, yes, I've got I've got Curtis, my hobby husband, mm-hmm. uh, and then I have Andy, my hobby boyfriend. Cheating uh, on me. Even though I've no- I've known Andy a lot longer. <laughs> uh, the next question is uh, from Chris McGill. What up, uh, Chris? Uh, Chris what- McGill will uh, like he's the kind of dude who like looks unassuming, can actually kick your head off. <laughs> I've, I've seen, like, okay, let me tell you a little story about Chris McGill. I went to uh, a Comic-Con that he was working security at because he is a certified badass. And I was, like, dressed as, I was dressed as Iron Fist. And I was like, let, you know, you, you're you you're a karate guy, Chris, and I, I'm dressed as Iron Fist. Let's get a picture together. And uh, so I did this thing where I was, like, throwing a punch at him. And he threw this, this like, perfect kick. Like, Bruce Lee style. Took... Whew, centimeter from my fucking like from my fucking face and i was just like okay um let's not <laughs> like I was, he was just like and he held it there <laughs> it was like time cop fucking john claude van damme like read the bottom of my boot yeah chris mcgill certified badass uh, so uh, this question is uh, where do we think uh, the games are going versus what we'd like to see so this seems like a huge question, but let's give a brief answer, and then maybe we could uh, put a whole episode's worth of effort into yeah. this one, because this is, is an awesome question. It's a big one, isn't it? Um, where do we think games are going? I think games are going to start getting more and more um, internet content and computerized content. Uh, I think people are going to start using tabletop simulators and stuff like that more, uh, especially if we have a couple more years left of COVID to deal with. What would I like to see? Um, I'd like to see uh, tabletop wargaming become a little bit more friendly, more positive. I know the world's going in a very unfriendly, unpositive way right now. Po- uh, unpositive, derp. A very unfriendly, negative way right now. I would really like to see a little bit more, a little bit more understanding within the community, and um, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to see some of those people who are negative to find something that they can love about the the hobby. Uh, that would be fantastic. What do you think? Or find a different hobby. Or find a different hobby. Maybe they take Get out up of ours. Maybe they take up, you know, fucking themselves. Who knows? Base jumping without a shoe. Base jumping without a fucking parachute. <laughs> Racing trains. <laughs> what do you think? What do you where do you think it's going? Uh so yeah, I um I definitely agree with that. I think I think companies are would uh, definitely start bringing more online content. We're seeing so much digital content now, especially with how 3D printers are becoming more available. Mm-hmm. Either, and, and good. Yeah. Uh, in um, I've through personal owned one. As I said, I own a 3D printer. Um, or through printing services uh, that are kind of reasonable. Uh, priced, yeah. Lot we see lots of digital uh, content. Uh, I would like to see uh, rules definitely becoming more of a a free online content. 
quick quick to easy to access online yeah i i, I think the day of the premium black yeah. book is over well printing just printing costs in general are they're astronomical yeah they're not it's and not conducted to... we yeah we as we as human beings do not need paper anymore in almost any circumstance don't, so don't get me wrong i love a book uh like a especially a, a forge well black book yeah but yeah that's that's something the first thing off the top of my head i can think of and where uh, would you what would you like to see more i'm not sure what i want to see more i'm quite happy with what in my hobby circles yeah. the people i engage with what i see what i choose not to engage with yeah it's, that's definitely one that would need a lot more thought into it fair enough the next question from uh, ian king is uh why do we not instead put our money in a bin and burn it? <laughs> because then we wouldn't have sweet models clogging up every spare uh, centimeter of our workspace. Uh, you know, like if I couldn't look at the top of my painting drawer and see just a bunch of models that I've started painting and then set up there and forgotten about, what would I do with my life? Come on, man. I need my worthless hunks of plastic. Yeah. Obviously. And who uses paper money anymore? Money's not real, man. Money's money's on computers. Like, I don't even use I don't even use my card anymore. I use my thumbprint for most things. So, We've got a couple more questions on this thread from Facebook. So, we have uh, Mark Santos. Yeah, what up, Mark? Uh, so, what would be someone's favored community, such as a uh, competitive or casual play? Uh, those who focus on having fun telling a tale, uh, or those who are more about mechanics-focused play. That is definitely not my favorite community. I um, I have some friends who are very competitive uh, with 40k. I, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. I was having a discussion with, uh, with my friend Ryan. He is super into competitive 40k right now. And he was telling me he's like going to these bigger tournaments, and he's placing top 10, and he's getting better and better and better. And um, I was like, cool, man. I don't want none of that. <laughs> like, I am not a good enough player to, to deal with that. And I don't have enough money to be competitive when it comes to things like that. Because you've got to you know, buy all the latest books, buy all the latest models, buy all the latest. Nah, bro. Like, I'm not dealing with that. For me, it's all about the love. Um, like, I legitimately love my Death Guard. So I will curate an army based around them. Because I think they're the fa- they're my favorite. They're not a super high tier army. They're technically like mid to low tier, I guess, as far as power goes. But I win with them enough because I know how to play with them and I love them. And I don't really give a shit whether I win or lose. Wait, wait you win games? Oh. Are, are you sure? This motherfucker. Grant is a very good player. Grant knows how to take rules... And bend them to his will. <laughs> so, Don't be a dick. yeah, so my. When I play I, other people, I win plenty. <laughs> my my favorite community is is not the competitive side. I feel like I could probably hold my own in a competitive scene for the games I play. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm definitely more of a relaxed game kind of atmosphere. Yeah. But. As Kay said, I am the rules guy. He is the rules guy. Uh, so, 
I, st- I like my games to still be rules accurate as much as they can be. Yeah, and I think that bouncing ideas off of you has made me a better player, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I definitely come to you when I need help building lists. Uh, that's because I can't tell you how many times I've been coming home from an event and gone, you know what, I think I could do this. And you'd say, ah, it doesn't work or, or here, try this instead. And that's a lot of fun when you're trying to kill a three hour car ride home. So, um, you know, just list hammering and stuff like that. It's like when you're sitting on the John and list hammering, except you've got a friend there with you. And hopefully you don't have a friend there with you when you're sitting on the John and list hammering. But yeah, I think every, every player is different, aren't they? So it's, it's working out what works for you as a person and where you where you belong and i can't even i can't even say that like a certain game community is my favorite we've met plenty of people in the 30k community that i would just prefer never to speak to ever again um shout out i'm not not dropping the names here but yeah no there's there's plenty of people here uh, in in any community that aren't cool so it's not anything about a certain game community. It's the the type of people that you want to play with. And for me, it's always casual. I would rather sit around and play one game for seven hours and just have a laugh, you know, and, and maybe catch lunch halfway through and just chill rather than playing uh, four games, two hours a piece, and, you know, you're over in 30 minutes. Yeah, like we, as you said, uh, we, we go to a number of events. We travel... Uh, around all um, over this great nation this this small little island <laughs> small damp little fucking island uh, and we uh, but yeah so we've got up to nottingham mm-hmm. uh, up to derby we've got tickets to go up to durham for the company of legends wales uh, yeah we've got tickets to go to wales uh we've for, gone south to, to the yeah, coast even yes yeah, so we've gone down to portsmouth way and played uh, and then around the Midlands, Northampton. So yeah, we get we get about to play games. We're definitely mm-hmm. not uh, shy of travel. No, definitely for an not. event. Uh, I think that's partly to do with my job. Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time driving. Grant so does, I'm, you do drive of of your forty hours a week or whatever that you put in. It's like thirty hours of it's driving. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm. Uh, but we definitely enjoy getting up to Peterborough. Yeah. To the Temple of Wack. Oh, those guys. I, I think those guys have broken me, and I don't know how to write a soft list anymore. No, the thing the thing about Peterborough is, yeah, they write hard lists, and so you can you can kind of test hard things about it. But they're cool guys to play against. Yeah, definitely. And they're not trying to like beat you turn one. They're just trying to you know they're just trying to have fun playing a uh, playing a list that's not soft, you know. And there's a difference between playing a playing a hard list. And being competitive, yeah. So it's it's just levels, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, I can I can throw together a a list right now for my Death Guard and have it be a hard list, but it wouldn't be competitive if I were to take it to any sort of tournament, you know. But it can be hard to wipe off the table. So yeah. So the we've got the last question from this uh, thread. Uh, it's again from that really cool guy, Grant Wills. Don't know him. Uh, Sounds so, like an asshole. Uh, uh, and I ask, uh, how many systems is too many systems? All. All the systems is too many systems. Uh, anything less than that is fine. <laughs> as long as they're painted. 
there are games that I don't play. Like I said, I've never played Battlefleet Gothic. I am, however, Gothic curious. I would play anything. I don't think that if I have if I had the time and the inclination, I could paint one of of something from every Games Workshop game. I used to play. I used to also play Hero Clicks a lot. Um, I know that's like slowly going the way of the dodo. Uh, I haven't played it since I moved here, which is really sad. I don't think HeroClix ever really made it to England. Maybe it'll be replaced with that Crisis Protocol game, the Marvel Crisis Protocol game, which also has a hobby element to it. So that double piqued my interest. I'm kind of reaching outside. Like I, I just, I don't see an end to how many games is too many games. Like if you've got the time and you've got the inclination and you've got the hobby bandwidth, fucking go for it, man. But yeah, so you mentioned all the the GW games that you play. Uh, so other than HeroClix, is there any and Gaslands? Is there any actual non GW games you currently play? Currently, no, I don't think there are. Um, and that's not for lack of trying. I would play plenty of plenty of games. I I do love I do love GW just because of the the lore, but. I'm not a GW only player. Like if if uh, if I could play Hero Clicks right now, I would. I've still got my Hero Clicks. I should get rid of them. I haven't played them in four years. But um, yeah, I, I I'm I like the idea of having many and sundry games ready to go. You know, so I don't know. What do you think? Well, so I. I've played a lot of GW games. Yep. I don't have armies for all of those still. Or, uh, but yeah, I've played, say, Fantasy, 40k, uh, More Time, Inquisitor, Warmaster, Epic. Uh, I think uh, I played Gorkamorka. Uh, a lot of the specialist games. Specialist games are awesome. Yeah, so I think the only one. I've not played is the naval games. So oh, uh, uh, Gothic, Man of War. Uh, yeah, Gothic, Man of War, and um, Dreadfleet. I haven't played any of those. I haven't played Titanicus yet. Oh yeah. Oh man, Titanicus looks fun. Yeah, <laughs> but not... I mean, I play epic scale stuff, so. Yeah, so Titanicus sort of. It's very different. I've it's not like a played... resource management game and stuff. Yeah, I've not played the new. Titanicus. I didn't play the original Titanicus either. I played Epic. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wants, if anyone has some Titanicus stuff and is willing to show Grant and I around, yeah, let us shout out. We'll we'll see. We'll um, see what's up. But yeah, and then for non GW games, I've played. Uh, so at my time at university, I did a my uh, I did a degree in uh, model making mm-hmm. for TV, film, and architecture. So I was surrounded with creative people. Who had an interest in models? Nice. So unlike the the general um, like traditional theme of you know you go off to university, you stop playing with toy soldiers, uh, <laughs> you focus on drinking and girls and and that I did that stuff plus models, but I stayed in touch <laughs> with models. Uh, but I. Um, uh, I did take a step away from GW during that time. Okay. So I played a lot of games uh, like Malifaux, Infinity. Oh, I love Malifaux. Um, yeah, so it was... Uh, so those sort of communities and groups, we played games 
because we were just trying to find the nicest models around. Malifaux are some nice models. Yeah. Oh my god. They're so spindly, but they're beautiful. Yeah, they are. And it's uh, a super cool system. The lore behind it is fantastic. Yeah, there's. I can't think of a cooler system than uh, uh, Victorian steampunk uh, horror westerns. Yep. So, All, that sentence got better with every word you said. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I played a lot of those games. Uh, did play a bit of Gorka Morka while I was at university um, because uh, a group of us on, on the course decided to build, scratch build our own orc trucks. Word. For the uh, uh, to play, so it was whatever we made out of whatever we could find in the workshop. Uh, which in a model making workshop, there's quite a lot of uh, stuff to find. Yeah, definitely. But um, so after university, I went back to playing GW Systems, where uh, mainly Horus Heresy, because that's when it was then in full swing. Word. With yeah, the release of the novels, and then. There was the fan-made heresy system that we were dabbling in, and then the black books were released, the first ones, uh, and the models from Forge Worlds, and they were amazing. So, and that's sort of where I went to. We played uh, our our gaming group plays a big apocalypse game every year, or it did before COVID. Yeah. Um, and we Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, we will do it again. Uh, but yeah, so it was. The year where we then started to introduce heresy units, but that got real wonky real quick. Introducing heresy units into 40k rules. So after that, we then actually moved to just solely heresy APOC games. But yeah, so but yeah, so I've played a lot of um, played a lot of systems. Uh, I've still got models for most of them, but at any time, I kind of like to keep around three systems in my head mm-hmm. so I can play those in, in any of those three systems without having to constantly pick up a rule book to checking things so I can play the game yeah for the majority of the time I think that's that's where I'm falling down with my I want to be able to play all games because if I do get to that point where I can pick up any any game, some of them are going to be like learner's games every single time because there's going to be some where it's like, oh, I feel like playing Epic. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Let's go play Epic. And it's like, I forgot how to play Epic, <laughs> you know, so. but it's such a cool setting. I, I still want to play and I've got the, I've got the models and I want to use them. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so for me, I said I can keep three systems fairly well remembered uh, that works for me, but again, as I said, everyone's different, so it's finding what works for you. What are you? What are your three systems that you're playing right now? Heresy. So yeah, Horus Heresy, More Time, More Time, uh, and Warhammer Fantasy Battle. So, yeah, God. I love it. So shout out to Army Projects again. God, yeah. this is so good. So I've got my Skaven, my my Clan Eshin Skaven Army that's now turning towards a Clan Molder <laughs> Skaven Army. Cool. Uh, so a lot more monsters with the help of my 3d printer uh so yeah we're having fun with that awesome um i've got a couple more questions brad has uh and shout out to a friend of the podcast brad Cook. um he's got a bunch of questions mostly around rpgs so he says tell the story of what got you into wargaming i think we covered that who's your favorite pc that you've ever run of all time i think it's still my first 
of our character. So uh, a a Ronin samurai in the the Five Rings uh, setting, who was a a made his living as a a sailor. So a, a Ronin doesn't have a, a isn't tied to the noble houses mm. or the major clans uh, of the land. So they they don't have someone to to just pay out for them. They have to earn their own money. So that's why they're considered lower than everyone else. Uh, so he made made his money as a smith and a sailor. Uh, so he's uh, kind of hard to do both of those at the same time. Yeah, so he was from a... Not a lot of forges on boats. No, he was from a, a Ronin family of smiths. Um, but he would uh, actually make his money through sailing. And the character was created to fill a hole in the party. <laughs> uh, but but I, you fell in love with him. Yeah, it was my first character. I played it for a very long time in a very long running campaign. How does, how does the leveling system work in Five Rings? Uh, so it's... As you acquire uh, skills and stats, you spend your XP to gain them, your your insight level rises, and when it reaches a certain threshold, you go to the next level. Okay, so I you, guess that makes sense, yeah. So you, you would then get access to the next levels of training from your family. So it's not like a shadow run where you just like continue adding cool bonus stats like till forever? Uh, you there can, are levels. Yeah, so there are stages, but eventually you can just keep going. But, okay. But yeah, the the general baseline is five levels worth of a dedicated house and school. Mm-hmm. So five levels of warrior specific training for that group. And then you could then add in a prestige class or an alternative level and things like that. So yeah, you can get quite rules intensive uh, Very cool. mix and match a bit of min maxing if you're into that and uh, you would be of course wouldn't you <laughs> yeah you whack motherfucker yeah i think my favorite my favorite pc oh gosh i had did you ever play iron kingdoms it was a three five D uh spinoff uh no i know you never played in the iron kingdoms iron kingdoms was iron kingdoms was a dnd module that was printed off uh it was it ran off of the D 3.5 system but it was privateer press so it was war machine hordes like centric okay um set in a D universe uh used to play iron kingdoms a lot um i ran a human it was no sorry it was a half work half work fighter who specialized in grapple and uh i did that just because i thought grapple was such a shit mechanic in 3.5 I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna force my my dungeon master to do this every game, every fight. So um, he would. He, his name was Erlocker, uh, named after the the great Chicago Bears uh, uh, linebacker. He would, um, in the middle of a fight, find the biggest bad guy, run over and just grapple him to the ground <laughs> and hold him there while everyone else kicked him in the head. So <laughs> um, that was a lot of fun. Um, my first character was a character named Ash. Ash was a monk who had left his monastery and found his calling as a bard. And um, so he was a a multi-classed at like first level. Uh, It was a part of a campaign where everyone was multi-classed at first level. So um, my friend Matt had a character that was a fighter cleric named uh, Orion Pax. 
and Ash and Pax, uh, they ran around the they ran around the world together on many many adventures over the years. So uh, that was fun. Eventually, Ash got a Warforged bodyguard, and uh, his name was of course Boomstick because, <laughs> because yeah, it makes total sense. What was the first Nat twenty moment that pops in your head when I say? Nat 20, what was the first time that ever really stuck out to you? Uh, so, again, um, because I didn't start playing with Dungeons & Dragons, D&D, the, the Nat 20 experience isn't my first big role-playing moment. Because I played, again, I said Legend of the Five Rings, it's a roll-and-keep system with uh, exploding dice. Oof. So, uh, if you rolled a 10 on a dice... And you kept it. You could then roll another dice and add that to the total. So any tens become into the teens for you to add in your total towards your target. Um, but those de- tens can keep exploding. Oh, and it was uh, the first, the first big important role for the campaign. So I was a a sailor. Uh, so I was helping to navigate the ship on a a chartering mission um, from where I joined the party uh, and it was pretty much my first roll of the game uh, so I pick up my handful of D10s uh, I roll them three tens straight oh away oh my god uh, and I was keeping around four dice I think it was so I picked up like three tens and a eight rolled the next set of dice two tens and an eight. Oh my god yes <laughs> rolled the next dice and it it went on and my total was 97 <laughs> for the my first roll of the game massive roll lort uh the the dungeon master uh ed he looks at me and went so you make it to the island that uh, no one's been to uh in, you, you skip uh, in to years. the end. um uh, yeah, uh, and then we just carried on with the adventure. Uh, but yeah, this is my first my first role. Brad I, has also asked, uh, and I think while we're on this, this would be fun for us to compare like RPG systems that we really like. What it like? So we've mentioned so far Five Rings, D and D, Iron Kingdoms, which is basically just three five D and D. What else? Shadowrun. Um, World of Darkness. World of Darkness, Cthulhu. Like, how do we compare them? Like, if we give a broad view, like, to compare each of them. Well, so the 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 it's, when I think of comparing them, it's just about the dice mechanics. Yeah. Um. So you've got the D twenty system, the classic D and D, the system that's been reskinned and reskinned and reskinned forever so that you can play anything d20 based mm-hmm. um so whereas everything relies on that one dice mm-hmm. not not much it's, i'm not a fan of that that type of system uh, i quite like the newer system with the advantage and disadvantage systems of it yeah but still it's still only two dice i like to roll handfuls of dice so I became an orc player, a skaven player, <laughs> a world eaters player. Uh, but um, the uh, so you have then again five rings with the roll and keep system. 
you've got two stats, you add them together, that's how many dice you roll, and then you keep a number of dice equal to one of those stats. Uh, so you could be rolling six, keep three. So you're rolling six dice, keep three of them, add them together, get your total. If it beats your target number, you succeed. If it doesn't, you don't. So It sounds like a cool mechanic, but it also sounds like it could get really, like... It's really swingy. Yeah. As, again, my first roll. Yeah. Rolling a 97. Almost got 100, yeah. Uh, where I'm only keeping... Was keeping four dice. So, in theory, my max would have been 40. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the... Uh, or you have World of Dark. How do they say... Let me, let me ask you that. How do they set what you're throwing versus what you're keeping when you play Lord, uh, Legend of the Five Rings? Uh, so you add, you have your, your ring, which is your stats, your sh- stamina, your strength, your um, your dexterity, and then you have your skill. So your the level of your skill plus the level of your ring stat, you add those together, that's how many dice you roll. How, how do you decide how many you keep? You always keep your ring skill number okay okay that makes sense easy sounds easy yeah good uh or uh similar to uh the world of darkness system but for that you're just trying to get high numbers mm-hmm. so if it's difficulty so you'd you roll stat and skill uh and you're trying to get over difficulty six any dice over a six you keep and that and then how many of that is uh, if you've passed or succeeded. So your target numbers for that system are going to be lower, three, four successes, yep. compared to target numbers 20, 30, yep. or similar for five rings. Right. So I, again, I think it's the nostalgia thing of it was my first game. I prefer the roll and keep system of five rings. Yeah. This was the uh, the old five rings editions before the fantasy flight newer version from five six years ago um but again i think it's nostalgia Uh, you know speaking of dice systems you know what dice system i absolutely adore is the uh star wars role-playing game yes oh my god that's the, the the way that they've used that mechanic where you can succeed on a succeed on a check and still fail at something is very swingy star wars like the failing forward failing forward yeah sounds like star wars uh like uh, so what they do is they have uh, different difficulty dice and you throw these dice and uh you can succeed with disadvantages disadvantages and you can uh you can fail with advantages so like it it always reminds me of that that time in the a new hope where uh, they try to get Princess Leia out of the prison cells, they're able to, so they succeed right into the trash compactor. It's just, it's just like that is that is a hundred percent like what the Star Wars Destiny dice do, and I love that system. I I like Star Wars just fine, but like if I loved Star Wars, I would play that as often as possible because that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, definitely. I I this very the that dice system suits the Star Wars world so well yeah the movies are full of failing forward you've got to be you've got to be a dungeon master like on top of your game to play that because the second people are like i won or i I did that and it's like yeah but 
here comes a protocol droid that goes, oh, raise the alarm. You know, like, you've got to really be able to, to riff. you got to play jazz with that. And it's, it's funny that when I say compare RPG systems, the first thing you think of is dice. And the first thing I thought of was, like, the lore. Because you were, you know, we were like, oh, what's the difference between D&D and World of Darkness? Well, geez, I can tell you lots about the difference between D&D and Lord, uh, World of Darkness. I can tell you lots of diff- about the difference between Five Rings and Shadowrun. You know, like, there's, it's it's very, very different. Yeah, Shadowrun, so classic Shadowrun is definitely one of the ones I would have liked to play. Oh, man, I love Shadowrun. Because you're rolling buckets full of buckets D6s. Buckets full of dice. Um, well, which, which can be a little bit daunting at first. Because if you're coming from a D20 system, and they're like... You know, there's your, what, seven dice. Um, well, let's go play Shadowrun. How many dice do I need? Oh, about 60. You know, like, that can get a little bit, like, oh, snap. I love I love Shadowrun. Um, well, it's a good thing I like dice and have lots I think, and lots. I, I don't think there are many wargamers that don't. Well, I, it's still, I've got probably bags full of D10s. <laughs> uh, and, well, then let's play some World of Darkness. Um Take one thing, for this is still Brad's questions, for, uh, by the way, friend of the show, Brad. Take one thing from each 40k edition and make a super edition. Oh, what's, what's one thing you'd like to see come back from each edition of 40k? Uh, I'm I'm always a fan of no pre-measuring. That is, that is fun. It makes it really challenging. Yeah, because you've really struggled with that with, Mal- um, with more time. I have. I have. I'm so used to it now. And I, and I did play a no pre-measuring uh, edition first. But now it's just at this point it's I haven't I haven't not pre measured in ten years, eleven years, something like that. I don't yeah. know. No no pre measuring, true guess ranges. Yep. Those are those things are some of the things I enjoyed quite um, a lot. And was fairly good at as a fantasy player. I I'm hit and miss on um, removing casualties from the back. Yeah. Because I don't know. It does make chal- uh, make a um, charges and stuff like that a little bit more challenging, but it also adds stuff to the game that doesn't always need to be there. You know, like I like to think of your your minis are an amorphous blob of wound tokens. You know, yeah. so like when when you're when you're being shot at, you're not standing still because it's not your turn to move. You are juking and jiving and stuff like that and trying to get around. And so, yeah, like that amorphous blob would just be smaller. It wouldn't be that those specific guys fell down and now they have to wait till, you know, till the other guy is done shooting and now they charge and now they're, you know, like, well, yeah, they probably should wait until the other guy is done shooting before they charge. But you understand what I'm saying. But yeah, though, how I still remember back in in Sunday Club, Sunday Training, how it was explained was, yeah, the guy with the plasma gun gets shot but then the guy next to him picks up his plasma gun yeah uh so from your your 40k tactical squad with your one special weapon your one heavy weapon yeah there it was always the last model to die was the sergeant the guy before him was the special weapon yep and the guy before him was the heavy weapon yep and then it was everyone else (laughs) uh but yeah i it was uh, I played one one game of Eighth Edition Forty K, um, and my opponent, who was showing me how to play the game, kept reminding me that I could take models from the back of the unit because otherwise I'm just making my charge distance longer. Yeah. I'm like, but that's how I play. That's yeah. how it's ingrained in my head. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, so I yeah those those sorts of things. Guess ranges, no pre measuring, set charge ranges are uh, uh, is something that I think is not good though. So I like the ambi the the random factor, yeah. but it is hell of it, uh, frustrating. What is it's in fantasy? It's uh... D6 plus march distance? Uh, D6 plus your move, depending if you're infantry. Yeah. But, um... I, that's not as bad, but then you still move even if you fail, which can really F you up. Well, so. it was the, the old edition, so 6th edition fantasy, and before that, where your charge range was twice your movement. Yeah. And if you failed, you moved your movement forward. And you had to guess. And, and you had to guess. Woo! No pre-measuring. <sighs> It's the wild days, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Where dwarves never charged. No. Because they could never get close enough. No. They didn't need to, though, because then they, they all had counterattack and stuff, didn't they? No, they just. That's why you just took great weapons. You were striking there last is, anyway. Striking last anyway. But, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I like the random charge from the newer editions, but I think the. The fantasy charge ranges because every unit type has a different charge range, number of dice. Mm. Like, uh, I think it's off the top of my head. I think it's monstrous creatures do their their move plus two d six, pick the highest, or or is it something like that? And it's so they can have massive charge ranges. Uh, but they're monsters. It's good. Well. Yeah, but an ogre doesn't move that much faster than a human. But um, that was the one thing when I was playing Game of Andy with the, the Warhammer Army projects. And he was like, how far do my Minotaurs charge? And he's like, does that mean they can have a 17-inch charge? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. I, I guess so. <laughs> and he's like, that's crazy. I was, yeah, like, yep. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it seems. Awesome. So Brad uh, has continued to ask, so he left us like 40 questions. Why do you love 30k over 40k so much, and what would get that preference to switch? I think it's, it's the, the lore, the story, the unbalanced balance of it. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the for heresy. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, everyone's drawing models from the same list, mm -hmm. but that list is not balanced. No. Uh, so there are definitely stronger choices. Uh, the the legions are not balanced, but it is it's it's a very characterful game. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter that they're not balanced because you know if you're a good player, you can still play well against that list, and even if you lose, they're still fun to be had. Yeah, so I'm sure I've not played any ninth edition yet. Uh, I I did enjoy the game of eighth edition I played, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't. There's, there's no reason for me that I don't like 40k. It's just I'd rather play Heresy. I think yeah, for me 100% it's the it's the story. I love those characters. I love those novels. I love the the lore in the black books. And so when I when I pick up um, a, a 40k book and I'm like, oh, this is I love my Tyranids. Tyranids are cool, but like I don't I don't think about like how can I do a conversion to make this character, you know, um, for, 
for 40k it's like i buy the i buy the model put it together paint it that was cool for heresy it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna create this character that was in you know in these chapters of this book who became like one of the first plague marines or whatever you know or um there's a, a character in the black books for the death guard called chrysos Marturg, uh who's a uh destroyer company captain and absolutely love him doesn't have a model uh but he became a black shield after istvan and i uh paid um anvils of conor uh, jack shout out to a friend of the podcast jack who uh built one for me specifically and he looks fantastic he's one of my favorite models i've ever i've ever painted um i plan on taking him to every single event that i possibly can because i'm so proud of that model because it's a character that i think has the raddest story and i think that that maybe if i read some 40k novels or something like that and came up with a character that i could transpose that into the 40k list and like kind of make my own sandbox character more i might care more about 40k uh, but as it is right now like with tyranids you just well do you want the shooty tyranid or do you want the slicey tyranid yeah i think the again the it's about nostalgia um because obviously i've been playing for over 25 years mm-hmm. um when i started hero hammer was a real big thing your your heroes you kitted them out with loads of special equipment and they'd could solo units on their own quite easily i always, um, always love that kind of thing and you could it was uh your army creation like writing your army list it was very picking points this two points for this upgrade for the squad or five points ten points for this character and you're completely building it up from from nothing uh whereas from the new 40k where it's been streamlined a unit is this set of models this box of models is a unit and it comes with this set of weapons and that's your unit it does there's it's a different type of plays there's it? a lot more sandbox to building characters and building units in uh in 30k I, yeah. I feel like i feel like i don't know for sure but it feels like it yeah so it's that's that's how i i learned to play how i learned to write army lists how i and that's what i enjoy building the army building the model how i want it to look yeah. what i want it to have what's it kitted out with what yeah. how does he how does he play Whereas a a push fit captain with this set loadout, yeah, I'm not as enthused to build that model. Fair to play and then play that model. It's I want to build my own character. Yeah, it's yeah. So because my how what I enjoy most out of the hobby is building models. Yeah. Not painting them, but building. Not, not them. painting them. Building yeah. models <laughs> and playing with the those models that I've built yeah. is that's what I enjoy most. So that's what I want to spend my time doing. I'm not as interested in using a straight out of the box army. He also asks us to uh, defend the Dark Angels as loyalists. Well, uh, slight spoilers, but you know they're at the Siege of Terror fighting to defend the palace kind of sums it up seems like a thing like to think that lion was trying to kill night hunter i don't think he was uh 
I think he was trying to join his uh, his little cabal. Um, and then finally, he's you know, favorite favorite uh, chapters or armies. I'm, I'm guessing in, probably in Warhammer. Yeah. So in fantasy, Skaven have always been my favorite. I I mentioned my cousin's Ratman yeah. army right at the start. After again, after a few years, he got to the age where he was wanting money to go out and with girls and not spend time indoors with toy soldiers so i bought the skaven army off him as well and i've still got those models uh i use them to play more time with quite often but yeah so skaven fantasy they what drew me to the the game itself and they're something i've stuck with throughout and then uh but for uh 40k or 30k i've always liked uh, the World Eaters. I've just been intimidated by the white armor scheme of the 30k variant. You know what's funny is when I was when I was thinking about starting a White Scars army, I painted a, I painted a, an HQ unit for him and two tactical squads, and I was just like, soon the White Scars are going to get rules. I've got two tax squads and an HQ unit ready to go from here on. It's just going to be painting fun stuff. And then I sat there and I looked at him and looked at him and looked at him. And after I'd painted all that white, I was just like, I'm going to strip them. <laughs> But yeah, I've um, what a dumb idea. So I had a I had a corn demon kin army for forty k seventh edition. That was such a cool mechanic. It like was. The, I, it was. It was great. The the, the axe of uh, sixty pound that I like to call it. Uh, the the axe that you give your HQ that for when he died he turned into a sixty pound bloodthirster. Yep. That, so you needed to buy a sixty pound bloodthirster <laughs> on top of your army. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. There's the. Uh, my first cynical thought about uh, the Games Workshop uh, <laughs> product. But, you know, they're a company to sell models, so yep. what can you do? I think for me, uh, I have... You love demons, don't you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Your demon army is fantastic. Thank you. Um, yeah, everything about your demon army is... Uh, if I if I could have built a, a demon army before you, I would have tried to do what you did and made it look nowhere near as cool. <laughs> like the the like Gene Sealer Beast Men and stuff like that that you have are fucking rad. So again, they were from my Demon Kin army originally. They were made not painted. Yeah. <laughs> but Who they, saw that coming? Yeah, they um are and that come back from a. Uh, my friend Al, who uh, used to work at the Games Workshop, mm-hmm. he gave me that idea um, when when the Demon Kin army first came out. Um, we were we were looking back at, at the old catalogs. Um, oh, those catalogs! Yes, uh, that had the old, the original hunched, gangly uh, blood letters from the Rogue Trader era. Um, and then it was to find something plastic that you could give the similar appearance to. Uh, so yeah, like um, I thought about the hunched bodies of the Gene Steelers, and then the Beast Men arms and head to to give them that feral corn-looking dog. And sculpted a lot of hair and stuff. On and there, then a lot of a lot of green stuff uh, to bulk them out. Yeah, like um, as I said, my my favorite part of the hobby is building the models. So well, as soon as 
the the idea of demons in 30k was floated the rumors of the army's going to be not de- uh, not god specific and it's going to be very sandbox more sandbox than the militia uh, i was all over it mm. i wanted to like almost every model other than my the dogs in that army is converted so all my infantry all my monsters um Except as well, apart from the greater demons, because they're such nice models. Yeah, I wanted to use those. Oh, you've, got, you've got a Samus that you converted. Uh, yeah, I got Samus. I converted up into a behemoth. Yeah, using bits from the ogre monsters yeah. from fantasy. Super cool. That guy, tusks and... that guy is rad. Thanks. So cool, man. I've I've always been demon curious, and I've never never stepped into it. I've got a couple of small units of like plague bears and things like that for my warriors chaos army. Um, maybe someday I'll get into that, but yeah, it's always been about like mortal Nurgle stuff for me. Yeah. That the, the warriors of chaos were my second army I ever started. No, sorry. Third. Cause I did space Marines first fell out of love with space Marines when I found Tyranids and I think I just I did Tyranids and Warriors of Chaos about the same time. I was switching back and forth, painting them as they went. Warriors of Chaos, Tyranids, Ultramarines, Death Guard. Meh. There we go. That's that's kind of easy. Uh, so Matt, uh, the guy who got me into wargaming, he asked for our favorite game systems. I think we did that. He asked for some favorite characters. Do you have any favorite characters from any game? I think we've so we've done. We've done our favorite PCs. Uh, we've talked about how we like to build sandbox characters for games. Do you have any any like named characters that you like for your wargaming and stuff? So I think my uh, so for Malifaux, my the favorite characters that that drew me in was uh, Colette from the Showgirls range, uh, who was a the madam of a, a entertainment house with a to the forces dancing showgirls and robotic mannequins and mm-hmm. and she's a the a magician who for the stage show but she runs the the secret underground railway that smuggles the magic stone out of the out of Malifaux. God, Malifaux is so cool. <laughs> uh, I've got a I've got a Sonya Creed army uh, at or Sonya Creed gang at home and I started painting it and it was super cool and now. No one plays Malifaux as far as I've seen and never finished it. So I love, I love Malifaux. Like there, the RPG, uh, I, I don't know the mechanics or anything like that of it. If it's, if it's any good, but I love the idea of an RPG set in a Malifaux, Malifaux universe. The Maliverse question mark. I'll workshop that. Um, yeah, I, I love that idea. And, and the, the game itself was cool. I used to love the, uh, playing card mechanic. That yep. was a lot of fun uh, using playing cards instead of dice. Yeah. The models, like I said, super spindly. There is no reason why I should have to glue the finger onto a hand of something. That is dumb. But they, when you put them together, uh, if you haven't glued oh, someone's nice. if you haven't glued someone's face to your thumb, then uh, yeah, they're super good looking minis. And the yeah, also the other the other gang that's really got me into to Malifaux uh, was the Victorias who were like hired sword Ronin type uh, uh, mercenaries who is 
that Victoria, the leader, is copied by a doppelganger on Ooh. her train into Malifaux, while she's on the train into Malifaux, yeah. uh, trying to steal her ancestral swords. And uh, the doppelganger can't beat her, so they team up. And, <laughs> and now there's two Victorias. Yes. <laughs> and you don't. Uh, and then the mechanics in the game is you can switch their profiles. So one's good at shooting, one's good at sword fighting. And then, so you can then switch their profiles. So you can play some tricks ambushing people. People as they try to gang up on the shooting one for combat, you can then suddenly swap them out. What a cool mechanic. Yeah, like, the Malifaux is so characterful. I love the, um, who was it, the, the judges? Was it the judges for... Uh, justice the, lady justice lady justice and then uh she had the the dudes with the coffins on their back yeah and they like they could literally grab characters and put them in a coffin and like bury them for a round or something ah oh, super cool god i like malifaux let's play malifaux sometime um or are there like any... goblin cowboy gang yeah <laughs> exactly that sounds great um what about the the like cra- the like crazy little kid that dreams of like demon teddy bears and stuff like that oh, god yeah. malifaux fantastic yeah, Mr. Any. Chompy bits. Yes. Same. What about? Um, are there any like uh, Warhammer characters, Warhammer related characters? Yeah. So, so from the novels, obviously, Gotrick and Felix, uh, yep, amazing pair of characters, and then their relationship with uh, Gracie Thankwall, who's is hilarious. For they keep running into each other, and Gotrick <laughs> and Felix, they spoil the grand schemes of the grey seer but they don't know they're doing it <laughs> and the grace they literally are like is that that same rat guy again brilliant <laughs> like it's such a good good huge set of stories yeah um but yeah the for fantasy it's always been yeah dwarves and skaven yep definitely great great mix what about in uh 30k 40k Oh, the oh, I'm not sure. There's such every character is so cool in the thirty <laughs> k universe. It's true. You could read any book and fall in love with at least one character in it's, the book. It's true what they say about you when you read a book. Is you can't then go online because you'll buy a new army. Yep. Oh. Yep. I can't tell you how many times like when when thirty uh, k was first getting started with the big box releases, how many people I saw going, I'm going to start a Luna Wolves army. I'm going to start a Luna Wolves army. So it's like, oh, I know what book you just read. You just started reading Galaxy and Flames, didn't you? You know, um, it, it's really easy to pick a favorite book in there, pick a favorite character in there, and just build your army around it. Um, from That's that's what I did with Garo of Flight of the Eisenstein. I was just like, yep, Death Guard time. Yeah, my, my current project is uh, World Eaters, led by Khan. Yep. Uh, with... Armature a shattered legion force of word bearers. Boom, handled. led by Argotal. Yeah, from like rebuilding the force from uh, betrayal. Yep, Armatura based. That's the way it works. I originally, when I wanted to do Ultramarines the first time, I wanted to do an Armatura based, uh, like tons of breachers. Um, you know, maybe a, a a fortification. You know that they're defending, ready to you know hold back the charge of the. Uh, world leaders that oh god damn what a good fucking book um i think for me my favorite character in 40k has always been pedro cantor 
Pedro Cantor was my very first um, favorite character in 40K. Uh, it was the first character model I ever bought. It's the only character model from 40K I think I really still have left. Well, from the old lead lines anyway. I love it. I I, I love Pedro Cantor. And if, if they do ever come out with a Primaris version of Pedro Cantor, like... I'm getting him and I'm getting him and I'm going to paint him up. I'm going to set him on my shelf and I'm going to look at him every day. And I'm going to go, I don't play 40 K anymore, really, <laughs> but I'm going to get him. God damn it. And yeah, I guess so for 40 uh, K for me, it's got, it's got steel Khan, the betrayer with that world eaters feel the, uh, the story of uh, when he finally snaps on uh Scalithrax and just murders a whole planet worth of, world eaters and emperor's children in one night with uh using gore child and a heavy flamer <laughs> it's it's yeah absolute insanity like because obviously again well, i started playing up through the earlier editions of uh, 40k where you needed permission to use a special character oh it's it's not something i did like you had to agree with your opponent beforehand if you were to use special characters. So it's not something that I did, which I think is one part of my love for crafting your own characters. Yeah. But again, from the lore, the models, uh, especially the new plastic Khan, the Betrayal model. I don't like it. Oh, I do. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I don't like his big stupid hat. Wow, that's the classic bunny is. Yeah, it's the, dumb. It's the, the symbol of corn. Yes, what well. it is. It's great. <laughs> then, uh, but yeah, the I think for forty k it's got to be Khan. Whereas uh, for thirty k, Khan the butcher, or Khan the bloody, not Khan Khan the uh, sexy Turkish man. Those those novels, uh, like if you listen to him, he just he's like he sounds like Salt Bay in my head. He's just hello, is it? I'm going to be uh, killing you now. My name is Khan, and I love him. So Chris friend of the show chris white he asked what is your favorite game and why is it blood bowl i love blood bowl <laughs> i love blood bowl so much <laughs> and it's and it's because i get to play people like chris white chris white is a cool dude he runs uh I, so i play in at least two blood bowl leagues a year um sometimes i play two teams inside of those leagues chris runs two leagues at a time twice a year so he runs basically four leagues a year. One is like a bi-weekly one, and one is like a monthly one, and they run uh, consecutively. And um, this dude is 100% like down for Blood Bowl all the time. Uh, he will he will um, absolutely just stomp the ten shades of shit out of you. Then he will tell you how you messed up and how to beat him again next time. And dare you to come back and try it. <laughs> he's awesome. But um, yeah, he's he's 100% like down for teaching people how to play Blood Bowl. He's 100% down for running league after league after league after league. Like during um, COVID times, he was running leagues on Fumble. He was running leagues on um, uh, Blood Bowl 2 on the PlayStation. He was like 100% devoted. He's always commissioner for every league I've ever played in super cool dude and it's dudes like that who like have their one game system and love their game system that like makes me fall in love with that you don't you don't play blood bowl with me no i've again it's because 
don't want to put another system in my head. Uh, I've the experience I've had playing Blood Bowl on the tabletop is that I don't play it often enough to remember it. That's fair. So, I mean, you can come play in a league with me where you play it every uh, like at least once a month or every other week. Ah, but then there's I'll, a Skaven team. Then I'll, I'll stop playing more time with you. Then no, 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 <laughs> no, no. We'll play more time too, and 30k, and I don't know, maybe Malifaux. I don't know, but um, I think when I want to play competitive games, if I ever want to play anything competitively, I end up playing Blood Bowl because it's fun and silly, and yet you can still be competitive with it, and it doesn't have to be as serious. That's probably where I get my competitive streak out. You know, and that's why I can go play 30k and, you know, sit back and eat pretzels and stuff instead of worrying about getting this game and making it, making it hurt for people. So Gary, friend of the show, Gary on our, on my Facebook feed asked me, how did you get into war gaming? Covered that. And what was the first thing that attracted you into the hobby? I'm going to change this up. What was the first model that attracted you? Like, what was the first model that you ooh, had picked up? I know it was a, it was a Skaven, but what was it? It was the old metal Skaven gutter runners, uh, with and specifically the one holding a sword and a net, in like a, 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 a one of those flat pressed metal Skaven like models, uh, hood up, like little rat beaky face sticking out of it, but yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Does that does that make you feel warm and fuzzy in your tum tum? Uh, it does. It makes me feel a little bit sad because I know that that model I ruined trying to paint it. Uh, <laughs> which and, is why you stop painting for which, the next twenty years. Uh, where, you know, I think I tried to use car paint to prime it or mm. something, and this about a half inch thick layer of paint around it. <laughs> so yeah, my. Might try and save it again <laughs> at some point. Yeah, strip it and do your your absolute best job on it. That'd be great, man. Yeah, it's it was those textures that I just couldn't paint. Like try spraying a skeleton white and then trying to paint the shadow between his ribs. Oh, yeah, like those techniques that that you never learn <laughs> to begin with of, <laughs> of dry brushing and shading. No, see that's where that's where like having uh, matte like really helped me um like he he was there to he was there to show me the game matt is also one of the best players i've ever met he's so much fun to play against he's he's always able to like kick your ass and and help you become a better player but matt's also a fantastic painter he's one of the best painters i've ever met and he taught me uh he taught me everything he possibly could he taught me everything i know i don't know if he taught me everything he knows He's like one of those ancient ninja warriors that way. But um, yeah, he's the one that, you know, for, of course I was like 20 already at this point, but he was, um, or 20 something. He would show me like dry brushing techniques. He showed me like how to use washes, different washes and things like that to get different effects. But um, he's also the first person to show me how to um, use green stuff. Like he showed me everything. So uh, having someone to really hold my hand for that was really cool. Oh yeah, like a part of um, like the Sunday training that I said I went through was about getting models painted and stuff. So they, they're 
store staff would do like painting lessons with you so that's how I learned to dry brush didn't know it was a thing until and that and then that's how I painted a dwarf army yeah fantasy and uh, lots I, of metal dry brushing and I think it's it's um when you think about like someone who can hold your hand and get you into the hobby and things like that and it's like oh that's so so selfless of them and so it's like no it's not they're just trying to get another person <laughs> into their hobby so that they have someone else to play against now that i think about it that's what he wanted to play warhammer and he was teaching me how to play warhammer so that he could play warhammer more often what a dick oh look how you've ruined my life matt okay <laughs> that's all the questions i have and i'm out as well right. so normally what we're going to do at the beginning of the episode is catch up on hobby stuff that we've been working on lately um it didn't seem to really flow today to do it that way but you know what's what what have you been working on specifically uh lately uh so uh we had it planned our next event we were attending was the return to istvan charity event run by keith uh from the uh, mournival podcast yep um at firestorm games uh, I've shout, thought... out, shout out to friends of the show keith yeah <laughs> Um, unfortunately, this week oh. we've been informed that because the world is still on fire, uh, event sizes that large are have all been cancelled oh. in Wales. Uh, so we the event's been moved. But up until, well, still today, I'm working on a unit of Red Hand Destroyers for my uh, World Eaters to take to that event. And these are uh, these are three D printed. They are, yeah. Uh, they are 3D printed uh, Mark II jump marines. Yes. So it's okay to 3D print them because Forge World does not put them out anymore. So there you go. Yep. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, they look great. They look really good, man. And you did like... Um, yeah, they've converted uh, them to have various weapon options. Um, I've not quite got to grasp with chopping and changing digital files of the models. Uh, I'm still... I'll print the model and then I'll chop it up and uh, mess around with it because yeah. that's still you got twenty five years of history going there. Yeah. It's it's easier and my laptop's probably not up to scratch <laughs> for the digital manipulation side of it. That's fair. Um, so uh, yeah, I've converted those up. I've been painting them. I'm up to the stage where I now need to do some freehand painting uh, palm prints on them to show they're the red hand marked. Uh, guys and then i'm on to the how final you, stages how do you think you're going to get doing those red hand prints how how do you think you'll go about getting ready to do those on those guys uh so i've done one guy already yeah um that did on my practice, test guy did you practice ahead of time uh so that the day i painted the hand on the model i sat there with a, the lid off a can of spray paint and painting little palm prints that's right onto it um to practice the first one i did was really good the second one was a bit off and then the one i did on the model not happy with oh no so i'm gonna practice a lot more before i start to do it on like a guy's face plate his chest plate getting it down to a science getting it to where it's really easy to do yeah so just i think what threw me off is uh the fact that I went from painting it on a flat surface yeah. to a curved surface of a shoulder pad. Um, so I'm going to practice painting it 
on the curved edge of the uh, spray can lid. Smart. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I'm just going to practice it on not models. <laughs> what else do you have to get ready for that event? The rest of the army. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they're the first ones that you've done. Yeah, so um, uh, friend of the podcast, Connor. Friend um, of the podcast, Connor, what up? Because uh, my airbrush and everything is all packed away and because i'm still was still quite intimidated by painting white armor uh, i traded a epic solar auxiliar army to him word and he then airbrushed all the white for me on my uh the rest of my 1500 points his white is really crisp on his uh, white scars army so that'll look great for your uh so now i have another box of uh what white world eaters uh, sitting behind me nice. uh so yeah i've got a uh, uh so the white's done now i just need to build them up a bit of shad- shading some uh washes some weathering some metallics some decals nice and bases dig it so um yeah and then what what else are you planning kind of for this for this force because it's a centurion event question mark it is a centurion event okay then yeah um, i'm uh, so i'm amped to play i really am because i want to go to wales and i want to play um i don't remember these things i didn't remember that i'm going to an event on the 30th of january until someone told me so i told you, you told me <laughs> i'm not um, going to that event either no it's me in front of the show guy what up guy and uh yeah we're going to play that's a centurion event as well yeah and um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm amped to go. I just completely forgot about it until you reminded me yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm on the waiting list for that event, but I don't think I can make it now anyway. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I uh, so for the this fifteen hundred point force, I've got a couple of despoiler squads and some dreadnoughts, and uh, yeah, that's it. Sounds great. And then a big unit of destroyers. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is this is one I don't have to make anything for because it's a Istvan event and I have a Death Guard force that I can easily draw Centurion Centurion force out of. Um I did think about making I have kit bashed a Death Guard um Esoterist. Esoterist. <laughs> and thank you. Words. I have Death Guard words. Uh, so I have a Death Guard Esoterrace that I kitbashed, and I really like it, and I don't know what I'm going to use for demons, because the demons that I kitbashed, I did a small kitbash on some Age of Sigmar Ulsiak Bone Reapers. Uh, I replaced their heads with um, bird heads, bird skulls, and I was going to use them as like Zinchi demons, kind of, and uh, that was going to be for the word bearers when I was doing them. Now I'm not doing the word bearers anymore. I've sold those away. And um, after I painted them, which is a really stupid thing, why did I paint them and then not do anything with them? I should have just based them and transferred them and used them. But I'm dumb as fuck. So, um, yeah, so now I've got a bunch of uh, Osiarch Bone Reaper demon guys. It wouldn't make sense for a Death Guard sorcerer to call up Zinch demons, but whatever. I got them. Yeah, and then so my other projects that I uh, have been working on 
in between when I've got bored of painting destroyers uh, has been I've printed uh, somewhere between two and three thousand points of lunar auxilia. Mm-hmm. Um, done some conversion work on there. What's and, the uh, What's the name of the person who made these files? Uh, so that uh, it's called that evil guy, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a Kickstarter at the beginning of twenty twenty one, I believe. Um, so it's taken me. A year to get around to printing a false, uh, and they're they're chaos themed solar auxilia. Yeah, traitor themed nice. solar auxilia. Um, so yeah, I printed uh, somewhere around sixty to seventy infantry, probably more, some tanks, some sentinels. Word. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've done some conversions, uh, and then. Uh, they're all primed and are temporarily attached to bases for painting. So, uh, yeah. Mm, I've got nice. those that I can pick up and work on if I'm not feeling... Particularly the world, world eatery? The world eatery or, um, yeah, or some bases to build for them or, or something. So If you need to feel a little bit more world eatery, you can always just hit yourself in the head with a hammer a couple of times mm. and uh, then you're ready to go. But yeah, so as we were saying with the hobby streak, um, because I I do a little bit of hobby every day. Um, you do what, 30, at least 30 minutes a day? Yeah, so I aim for between 30 minutes an hour. Uh, I'm always aiming for the hour, but yeah, 30 minutes is enough. How, how many models did you do last year? How many completed models did you make last year? Uh, so in so the fir- my first year of the hobby streak, yeah. I did... 148 models and that's of different sizes so different some sizes huge. so that's that's all the way from uh single infantry models all the way actually no it's from a epic size tank yeah all the way up to a knight titan cool um but yeah so 148 that's completed models. based washed transfers everything yeah based tra- painted everything and then and two tables worth of terrain yes uh, and then in 2021 uh, i did a total of 236 models fully painted and based uh, and then one table's worth of terrain uh, i just realized like how lucky i am that uh, i get to play games with you because <laughs> It's so much easier than paying like five pounds to go and play at like Bad Moon or whatever it is. Ah, it's just like, nah, let's just go to Grant's house. Yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, I started, started, as I said, I started the hobby streak in 2020 and it was to encourage me to paint more. Yeah. Um, to get stuff ready for events and not cramming last minute. Um, and then the pandemic hit. And I was furloughed, so I had a lot more time to spend on hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something to keep me occupied so I didn't just sit and veg and think about how awful the world is. Uh, and so it kept me distracted, kept me going through that. And then I went back to work uh, in the summer of 2020. And... Uh, I managed to keep up with the hobby streak, even though I was trying to cram nine months of work into six months. Um, and 
yeah, I managed to keep it up for that whole year. Uh, and then my hobby resolution was to carry on the streak. And I got to two years and just doing these little bits, chipping away at projects. Those those numbers, I probably have at least half that number again in unfinished models from that year. Yep. Um, well, you do you do just get a wild hair up your ass and just print random shit too. Uh, yeah. For uh, or as I said, like if I get bored of a project, I'm not going to force myself to work on it. Yeah. Because that will make me stop. So I, I swap to another project for a few days. I get I get that really bad. Um, because if I'm not if I'm not enjoying painting it, why am I going to force myself to do it? So I'm going to move. So I'm going to make something else, and then that thing is made and primed, so it's ready for me to work on it when I get bored again. Yeah. Of what I'm doing. So, I, I hate cramming for an event so much. Uh, last time I crammed for an event was uh, it was with my Ultramarines. I painted 1,500 points of Ultramarines in three weeks. And I don't think I picked up a brush again for two weeks or two months. It was awful. At least that, yeah. It was at least that. I, I hate cramming for an event. I, I like I, the joy of painting is, you know, the Bob Ross joy of painting is what I love. And if I feel if it feels like work, I don't want to do it. That's why I don't really like do commissions for people because I don't want it to feel like work. You know, so I hate work. I don't want to work. I want to paint, watch wrestling, read comic books, eat cheeseburgers. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, super duper hobby progress, bro. My turn. Um, yeah. So yeah. what what have you been working on for the last? month or so uh so yeah i've been uh really jazzed about 30k ultramarines lately uh i don't know what it was it was just like for a while i didn't pick up a brush at all i just sat there and stared at my models every day and then sat on the couch and watched tv and i would turn over turn my head and look at the models and then go back to the tv and i just couldn't do anything about it and then one day i got just absolutely like jazzed and was like let's play 30k let's let's do something i want to play i want to break out these ultramarines and i want to do something with them and um that was let's see i played you right it was the first of january it was the first of january and i was just like let's fucking go and um yeah we, we sat down and we played uh played a game well first first we worked out your list was illegal first we worked out that my list uh, was illegal because i was trying to run a <laughs> we, we, we we solved that yeah and uh, then we then wrote another list for you to actually think about using. Yeah. Um, so basically with this Ultramarines army, what I want to do is uh, use what I have lying around. I have a ton of Ultramarine bits from 40k when I used to play Ultramarines. I have um, a ton of Tac Marines and things like that lying around from when uh, I was trying to run other army projects that just weren't working. Uh, and I was just like, you know what? I've got I've got a Primarch for the Ultramarines. I've got a Suzerian squad. Um, like, let's see what I can do. And so I, I put them all together. I got let's see. I got a, I got a Vindicator from you. Um, I got a what is that? The Arquitar Bombard. And I'm like, I'm trying not to spend a lot of money on this project. I'm trying to use models I have lying around. I'm trying to get that pile of shame a little bit smaller. 
And uh, so what I did was I, I, you know, when you said your list is illegal, I was like, well, yeah, but these are the models I have. So, um, yeah, we worked it out. Uh, I think we had to adjust it and adjust it and adjust it to keep... keep um, well, we, we swapped out drop pods for rhinos. Yeah, swapped out drop pods for rhinos. And, yeah, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. I've been really excited to paint to paint the... Because you printed me off a bunch of the Mark II... Mark II Assault Marines so that I could make some Lokitaris. Uh, we're also going to get some Mark V and some Mark II... Um, some more Mark II and some Mark V ones to make uh, Jump Destroyers and some Assault Marines. We're going to run a Fast and Furious Ultramarines list, uh, which is going to be different from my slow and angry Death Guard boys. Um, I think that'll that'll be fun. So when I want to play something that goes fast, I can play the Ultramarines. When I want to play something that's a little bit more like boggy down, then I'll play the the Death Guard, and that way I can have both sides of thirty k. So yeah, I've been I've been really excited to paint the Ultramarines. I've been um, what I did was the the fifteen hundred points that I painted a couple of months ago. Um, I'm not happy with it because I I painted I painted all the blue. I painted every bit of blue. Uh, to the best of my ability, and then I was just like, eh, uh, slap a red, uh, slap a gold, put a wash. You know, like, I didn't do any sort of uh, second coats or anything like that. So I'm going through, right now, I'm going through and bringing up the stuff that I have finished to a higher level, so that it looks a little bit better for my personal liking. People didn't really seem to mind playing against it, but it's really boring. So I'm trying to um, bring up the stuff that I have painted to a higher standard, and then, uh, then I get to paint the fun stuff. I get to paint more jump marines. I love the idea of painting these jump marines, and um, I know that it, once I get the other stuff up to a better standard, I'm going to have a hell of a time painting more jump marines. Fun for me. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yesterday, actually, it was yesterday. I was having to rearrange some of my hobby drawers because stuff was starting to get mixed up and. And damaged and things, so I've, I've moved all of the 40k orc stuff out of my uh, drawers where I keep my random projects, uh, and I've put those away um, because I'm just not feeling them at all at the moment. Uh, and I, whilst clearing those out, I found my Infinity models. Oh, cool! Um, so I've got my uh, Yu Jing faction JSA. Um, Japanese Secretary Army, uh, who are really just a Japanese motorbike street gang. Cool. Um, oh man, uh, you've, yeah. you're, you've got like the uh, the, like the pills, the uh, Akira sort of thing going. That's rad. Yeah. So um, yeah. So they've they've now migrated from the cupboard into the drawers next to my desk. So they. Are within reach Neat. for when I need a palate cleanser or or something as well. So yeah, I've got those, or I've got my fantasy zombie pirate army. Yeah, uh, all these. All I've got so many projects that I don't. I don't like the idea of writing hobby resolutions down. Yeah, because they never get stuck to. No, because I get distracted so easily. I've I've got one of those as well that I'm starting to gather uh, gather bits for a vampire counts fantasy army yeah uh i've got multiple like sweet character vampires and um i can't wait to finally paint some vampires vampires are so much fun i love i I love vampires a lot and i can't wait to paint them 
Uh, so that'll be fun. And I'm going to, I've got them all just made and they're sitting on the, sitting on the hobby desk and they're waiting for me to actually have a couple of bucks uh, here and there to buy some skellies and stuff like that to go for them. But yeah, that's a, that's the down the line project, but I, I can't wait to just like one day just grab it and go like, I'm going to paint this vampire or like that vampire that you made for me, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so that's our, what we've been working on and yeah. what, what we hope to be working on. Yeah. Uh, but of course, those hopes are likely to change, which is again why my only hobby resolution has been to continue the hobby streak, <laughs> to do hobby, to to not um, not not putting down lists of what exactly what force or what size army I'm going to build or or what because again I'm so easily distracted when it comes to the hobby and I can tire of a project quite quickly. It's um, easy to do. So I I I have a lot of these projects and I like to to jump around between them so yeah that's what always always forward forward always right yeah even if it's failing forward <laughs> like star wars right on so uh to finish the day what we're what we like to do is kind of shout out some of the cool stuff we've seen on social media uh we think that we could use this this platform to um give a little bit of a leg up to people that we think deserve it. Um, ha- have you seen anything cool on social media that you would like to uh, shout out? Yeah. So since uh, it's probably around October time, uh, I've uh, I'd created a little folder on on Instagram and I've been saving posts to it for stuff I've looked at. God, oh, that's really cool. So yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff. So starting at the most recent things, uh, we've got uh, an account. Uh, PM59 underscore 86. Uh, <laughs> That's a uh, lot of... Uh, it's, a, it's a real catchy name. Yeah. Um, uh, really rolls off the tongue there, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, who's painted an amazing uh, White Scars Herald model, Banabera, with a massive, great power katana. And yes, done some, look uh, at the, the glow banner, effects on that guy. Yeah, the banner, the OSL light from the sword, they're amazing. So definitely, if you can, go Hot. check out PM59 underscore 86. So that's uh, the numbers. Uh, so PM59 underscore 86. Nice. Uh, Winner. Yeah. I've also uh, seen a, uh, again on Instagram... A sinister flux thirteen, who's made some awesome-looking uh, stormtroopers uh, converted. Uh, so I think they're Star Wars stormtroopers, cool. and done some head swaps for bear heads. Love them, uh, and then painting them up in a, a grimy, uh, dirty-looking scheme. So yeah, they're uh, looks like yeah. a militia force, maybe, or is he going to use well, them for think, Star Wars? You so think? I think they're looking at the hashtag there for ink 28 oh okay uh or or inquisimunda yep so uh yeah i'm not i never played ink 28 i've only ever played the the old 54 mil scale inquisitor well yeah that looked like so much fun i seen like i i was like 54 millimeter what's that and then like you showed me some of the models when we were at warhammer world one time i was just like Holy God, that looks amazing. <laughs> that looks like so much fun. 
Yeah. But they're metal models, so I would hate painting them and I would just not do it. Yeah, I, I don't get that <laughs> feeling, but uh, I, I just don't understand metal. it. I hate painting metal models. I don't know what it is. I don't even really like painting resin models. I much prefer to paint plastic models. I don't know why. It's all the same. But yeah, the also I've got a, uh, a Lanada Miniatures, uh, L-A-N-A-D-A Miniatures, who's done this awesome-looking Blight King's Carnival of Chaos. Yes! Uh, like pair of knights... Uh, For more time. ...standing around a, um, a crooked uh, medieval big, jousting big tent. Yeah. Like a uh, little diorama. Oh, that has my heart. ...scene. Um, and yeah, like it just looks like something straight out of a John Blanche illustration. It really does. That has my heart, uh, dude. I love, love, love those Black King models. So much fun. Yeah, they're they're so. The the just the imagery of the like the kings, who are also like conquering king slayers, carrying the heads of their enemies, but they're big, fat, bloated, limping, like. Gout suffering, <laughs> nobility. It's such makes cool you feel industry. right at home, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And this <laughs> these models by uh, Lana de Miniatures. This little scene uh, was posted well, three days ago at time of recording. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, beginning of January. It's such a, a an awesome awesome looking scene. Yes, absolutely. I wish they would have done um, some pictures on a different background. The white background kind of takes you out of it a little bit. That's nothing that I can't deal with if they had done like a nice like yellow or brown background it would have been a lot nicer yeah uh that there has been quite a lot of criticism in the the ink 28 uh aos 28 grimdark painting community oh, what? about how everyone's backgrounds are all dark and the pictures are dingy and not well lit and i was like but it's an atmosphere it's thing an atmosphere, that's what grimdark yeah. is it's it's the atmosphere you want the pictures to look moody and depressing and but you know so whatever bro yeah it's cool uh but yeah have you seen anything cool on social medias no no (laughs) i completely forgot to do all of the the homework that you had me do here oh my gosh look at that guy death guard underscore 30k he's done some amazing space wolf a space wolf contemptor Uh, that is in the middle of just charging full bore he's carrying is that um Bjorn the Fellhanded's axe. Uh, I, it's one of the 40k. One of the 40k axes. Uh, and he's got the top of a Beast of Chaos banner uh, for a shoulder pad. It just looks amazing. Uh, the horns and the the grimy uh, gray paint job look really good. Next there's... Next there's... Uh, oh, let me try and pronounce this. Waikit Leung, 56 foot. So W A I K I T dot L E U N G dot five six digs did some um it looks like a like plague sisters conversion. So they're part sisters of battle. Sisters of Battle. Part sisters of battle, part plague bearer, part night haunter looking kinda of like they're they're just part vampire plague bearer evil sexy Wow, this could have like he's cool. No wonder you saved this one. She's hot. Okay, what do you think of that guy? 
Yeah, she's like, um, yeah, just amazing conversions. The whole, as well, the photographs um, they've done has, uh, they put different backgrounds. Different filters, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, um, I don't know if they're like photoshopped in, like green, misty sort of backgrounds, but they've also set them in like pieces of terrain, little dioramas. Yeah, it's just, it's an all round great model, great paint job great photography yep nailed um, it so probably has a really cool background story too all right so next up lunax l-u-n-a-x 7070 atrilax battle automata for the vergan destroyer manipole alongside the Sar- uh, sergeant cassius rom and a servitor so it's a what is that a mark two sergeant it's a, it's a true scaled mark true II. scale mark two sergeant he's got a little battle servitor there with him and he's kind of uh, chilling, surveying the battlefield. He's got a, um, a robot leg, a robot arm. He's got his hand resting on the hilt of his sword. And behind him is a giant battle automata that just looks... The whole scene looks so cool. It's just a white background, but it's like you can you can tell that this was pulled from the end of a battle. Everything's wrapping up. The dude's surveying, looking looking over his, his battle... Um, the, his victory and he's ready to uh ready to move on and he's ready to do something else that's going to claim a couple of skulls this is such a cool picture and such a cool uh project this true scale marines are so rad yeah and the 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 battle automata i think I'm not sure if it's all 3d printed or parts of it look like they're from the uh the Aetherian, uh models the that she's designed and then released her the stl files for yeah i'm not sure if it's a whole one of hers that has then had like chains and stuff added to or um if it's parts used and then converted but yeah they the that trio of models is is super awesome uh so next up we have Fokin skaven so f-o-k-i-n underscore skaven it's a what some sort of troll or ogre yeah, it's the um, war cry ogroid. Ogroid, thing. Th- yeah, dude. Wow, what a cool. Con- he's got. He's done a very grim dark conversion on it. It's like a cyclops. Uh, he's got some very like nasty mottled skin. He's got some dirty bandages all over and just rusted as hell armor. This dude is grim. I love this model. the The skin itself. The, the the number of different colors um, of different textures that he's put into the just the skin is gorgeous. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not not sure if it's if there is a conversion in it or but the uh, actually the paint job on it is is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, fucking underscore Skaven. Fucking Skaven. Uh, and then finally, the last one I want to shout out is uh, our good friend uh, Sam from Emperor's Path. Yeah, what up Sam? Uh, it's Emperor's underscore Path uh, who's, who's taken a step back from Wargaming uh, and has dedicated uh, his, now his YouTube channel and his hobby time to a, a model railway uh, scene so he's he's doing all of that but Oh, he's... is he one of those nerds that like shows up with the, the train conductor hat and the whistle? 
Well, I don't know about that, but so, uh, um, sure Sam will look good in a train conductor's hat. Yeah, we all know he, that. he was one of the heresy calendar boys, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's he's putting good use to those those weathering skills he's uh, he acquired painting his uh, heresy stuff up uh, and his proper griming up some railway train stuff, uh, and is even putting a cheeky little Alpha Legion carriage in his scene. Hold on, hold on. But yeah, that's... Oh, I had to make sure this was a model. Holy cow. Yeah, he's, he's putting so much work into this scene, and it's... Uh, if you look at his videos on YouTube, he's researching a specific station, and uh, yeah, he's he's going all out with this. From, well, from what I can tell from my limited experience of the model railway... It's uh, a... It's a just a regular black and white train it's got some some white um markings on the side and just a it's so beautifully weathered that if it wasn't sitting on a keyboard so that i I immediately go oh that's a model like you have to look at it and go holy cow but yeah sam sam's done uh, some real nice work just murdered this look at this but yeah, he's he's going in. He's repainting the the carriages and the cargo tankers and stuff he's been getting there. Wow, killer man! This my little fanboying over Sam. What, what are what end. are its stats? <laughs> <laughs> How many las guns do I have to shoot at it to kill it? How many las cannon shots will it take? Oh, look at his little! Oh, he's got an Alpha Legion uh, train. That's rad. And then yes, yeah, keep. The making class, use of his leftover heresy bits. The class 20 Alfarius, usually seen stealing Dorn's oil wagons from the yard. <laughs> Great. Well done, Sam. But yeah, so that wraps up our Share the Hobby Love section. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. I, yeah, now I have to do that, I guess. So speaking of Instagram, if you guys would like, you can follow us on our brand new Instagram. Uh, we have that at throw in dice pod throw in dice pod at throw in dice pod on instagram.com you can also email us if you wanted to to ask us questions at throw in dice at gmail.com so throw in dice pod oh he's throwing dice pod we're new to this throw in dice pod at gmail.com yeah no this is this has been a lot of fun i can't wait to do we're going to be doing this uh monthly it's a monthly podcast where can people find you grant specifically so i'm on instagram at arch underscore magos right on and you post every day especially with your hobby love right yeah so i do a hobby streak post every day keeping me honest keeping me on it uh, and then every one of my hobby streak posts from number 99 onwards so the last 640 posts yep. uh, all have a bonus bully picture at the end yes grant and his wife have two beautiful bulldogs and they have they are the most photogenic beautiful uh bulldogs in the world and uh you get to find that out every day when you get to see grant's uh post my wife loves your your posts every day she doesn't even look at the hobby stuff she goes oh that's nice and goes straight to the bulldogs because she loves the bullies yeah it's always always the last picture on the on the line of each post gorgeous stuff and you can find me at ldestructo83 on instagram i do not do a hobby streak uh i work nights so (laughs) um yeah i sleep during the day but uh yeah no this is this has been a lot of fun i i I think that this will probably get me to 
the hobby a little bit more often. I, I do love to paint, so I often paint just to relax. This this will uh, this will probably get me to like be more excited about building or more excited about studying rules, reading books. That's for nerds. Or we'll just play more games. Or we'll just play more games. Um, yeah, if you wanna if you wanna hear us, um, you know, play games and and uh, break down games and stuff like that for you, we can definitely do that. Um, give us any sort of suggestions that you might think, or if you if you've listened to us talk this entire time about games we prefer, and you think that you know a game that we might want to check out, let us know. Contact us on social media. Contact us via email. Uh, send a carrier pigeon. You can um, smoke signals. Probably won't see them. It's very cloudy in England. As for me, you can find um, you can find my other less successful podcast on uh, on places where podcasts live. It's a professional wrestling podcast called the Smark Foundation. We're up to episode nine on that. We're about to record episode ten this week. Uh, we will also I'll also be on the Across the Bifrost podcast, which is a comic book uh, podcast that focuses on Thor, the God of Thunder. Uh, I'll be doing a breakdown of Gore, the God Butcher with their host ryan to get a little movie primer for people uh before thor love and thunder comes out yeah so that's uh that's all of us on social media did you have any other uh last last words for everybody tonight uh just a quick quick bit of info yeah there's no g in throwing there is no g in throwing the g's are right here in front of you son throwing dice throwing dice uh we should probably specify that at the beginning of the episode eh (laughs) (laughs) leave the g out of it g uh no that's it for me right on man well um i guess it's time that we say good night fingers crossed this worked fingers crossed this worked